Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip and commentary. You can't beat the sound of a contented cat. That's why veterinary surgeon and natural pet food pioneer John Burns developed Burns Pet Nutrition. Because he knows the positive impact a natural diet has on our beloved pets. And our premium cat food is designed to satisfy even the most finicky eaters. For natural, no nasty, wholesome recipes, choose Burns Pet Nutrition. Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It was a self-serving statement because he, d- he didn't sit there and, and say nothing, no comment, whatever. And, and more or less what he was trying to say was, here I am trying to do my best to help this poor woman, working hard, breaking my back, trying to help her out. And, you know, I couldn't resist her. Like, you know, she was the one who, who seduced me. And that was his argument. It was devoid of, like, direct forensic evidence. But there was many strands of circumstantial evidence which bound together make a rope of, of, uh, of a case for the state. I'm Nicola Talent. And you're listening to Crime World, a podcast about criminals, drugs and the sins of the underworld in Ireland and across the globe. Killer Patrick Quirk was celebrating a Supreme Court victory this week that could potentially see him retried for the murder of Mr. Moonlight, Bobby Ryan. The Tipperary farmer who weaved a tangled web of sex, betrayal and murder was told that a warrant used to troll searches on his computer was unlawful and that key evidence may have to be reviewed. Today, I'm talking with colleagues Niall Donald and Eamon Dillon about the Mr Moonlight saga and another court outing with the shamed socialite Marcus Sweeney who will hand over a controversial field to the Criminal Assets Bureau early next month. This is Crime World, a podcast show from sundayworld.com. So let's start with Patrick Quirk and the incredible case uh, known as Mr. Moonlight by the media. Um, Patrick Quirk is currently serving a life sentence for the murder of Bobby Ryan, who is the DJ known as Mr. Moonlight, whose remains were taken from a a sewage tank on the grounds of um, a farm in Brinchamore in County Tipperary. Um, And... Quirk's trial look was pretty sensational. I think everybody was tuning in every day to see what the latest was. It was almost like a soap opera between affairs down in rural Ireland and everything else that went on. But this week he has won a part of his appeal, which is really, really significant. Um, and it's going to have some definitely some ramifications. Yeah, it, it- this case was fought tooth and nail. It was the longest serving murder trial at the time, 72 days or 15 weeks, something like that. 
Um, every inch and piece of evidence was fought over, um, as is, you know, as, as is his right, as, you know, and his senior counsel did a great job in that sense, as did the senior counsel for the state. But every single snippet was was yeah. um, was was gone for really between between the two sides, um, and and it was appealed previously to the court of appeal. He brought fifty two grounds, um, and then it took a year for the for the, uh, the the court of appeal to come back. Obviously, there was so much material; they were yeah. basically going through the entire trial again. That that with a three three judge panel, um, but then he was given permission uh, to bring two of those issues on to the Supreme Court to make a ruling, and one of those was whether or not. The uh, computer that was seized from which a certain amount of evidence was allowed into the case uh, and whether that was legally seized or not by mm. the guards. And the Supreme Court found that it was illegally seized mm. and that they didn't get the they didn't get the um, search warrant right because it didn't specify computer, you know, computers. It just, you know, suggested material or, you know, there was other things mentioned Uh and the the argument was made that this was a search then than more than just the house. They could seize the computer, but they couldn't look into it. That should have been a separate issue. Because there was things on the computer, and wasn't it that 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 really became a, a, a one of the headlines of the trial? In that he had uh, on the computer there were searches on Google for things about de how long it takes a body to decompose and uh, searches about forensic DNA, how long it lasts, and it did it did form a it was like there was many headlines, as you said, and that was one of the headline pieces. Yeah, of it was a it was a key strand, as I think, as the the state council put it at the time. Like it, it was, um, it was devoid of like direct forensic evidence, but there was many strands of circumstantial evidence which bound together make a rope of of uh, mm -hmm. of a case for the state. And the computer evidence was it was one of those strands. Now there's going to be argument over whether that you know, whether that was the key strand and does the whole rope snap without that one strand or will it stand on its own? But this evidence that was found on the computer, which has now been judged by the Supreme Court to have been seized illegally, that was fought over at the original trial. So while, you know, certain aspects of, you know, the Google searches, which were key, I mean, the, the reaction of the jury on the day, like, you know, the faces, I mean, we're looking at the jury trying to figure out where they're reacting mm, or not. Yeah. But we, we figured they were because we felt it was, you know, when I say we, I mean, members of the media, we felt it was kind of pretty much a, a key moment. Um, but there was other stuff on the computer that wasn't allowed, that the, the, the judge, the trial judge disallowed. And that included like um, clips of himself having sex with um, Mary Larry and also his wife. Um, because the judge felt that this is all this would do is just put him in, make him look like, uh, you know, not a very nice person and had no evidential value. So, and there, there, was, there was other clips then that were played that were kind of, um, I had that, that we did here. Was yeah, that a secret camera he had put in Mary Larry's? No. And maybe we should just really quickly, off. just for anybody who's forgotten the details, just go through what happened down there and, and who was who. Well, look, it was, it was basically, uh, Pat Quirk was accused of murdering, um, Bobby Ryan, who was the boyfriend of Mary Lowry, who was a woman that he had been having an affair with, uh, who was basically they his had sister -in -law, it was basically, basically. his sister-in-law, yeah. And so, like you know, Mary Lowry had been married to Martin Lowry, who died um, of natural causes, died of cancer some some years before all this, and 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 Pat Quirk was was you know the family friend who stood in. He was married to Martin Lowry's sister Imelda. Uh, they were very close even before that. I think one of them was the best man at the other's wedding. He, he helped on, he, no, he helped run the farm when Mary was in a really bad way uh, following the death of her husband. She, was, she wasn't even 40. She had three young boys. Uh, you know, it was a big dairy herd. So he, he, he kind of rode in and sort of took over. Um, but then 
as we kind of found out in the trial then, he became darkly obsessed with her. And, you know, she felt kind of, she felt that she was taken advantage of and was in this seedy affair uh, with, with Quirk. So then at some, you know, it was, you know, she tried to end the affair a couple of times and then she met Bobby Ryan and, you know, pe she, that was an open relationship and people were quite happy. Uh, that, he, you know, that's, that that's was, where the Moonlight like, comes from, like, because Bobby Ryan was a, a local DJ, kind of country music, a lot of it. Mm -hmm. um, and he was, uh, like, by all accounts, you know, and and his every, his whole life was gone through in great detail in, in, in the trial. And, but, you know, nearly everybody had a good word to say about him and his family have spoken very much afterwards. And, and he was a bright shining light for Mary Larry from what we heard in the trial. Like, you know, she was back like to herself. She loved dancing. wholesome about that relationship yeah. after the details you'd heard about her and Quirk and the sneaking around and, you know, the betrayal of his wife, Imelda, and then the sense that she was feeling that he was up to some strange stuff. And look, people in affairs and relationships, you know, Everybody doesn't feel exactly the same throughout the course of a relationship, but obviously he was feeling the writing in the wall was she was trying to separate from him and then he was doing all this kind of very yeah it, well, it, like it, 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 well that that's got, that's actually some of the circumstantial evidence that presumably is still going to stand so i mean she she basically wanted to end it she was tired of his kind of slightly erratic behavior like her burglar alarm had gone off 17 times in two years so she 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 put in a cctv system which is then when they noticed they caught him by surprise he still had a key and he went into the front door and set off the alarm they also found him at her underwear on the washing line yeah, so, yeah, I can't so, imagine that. I wasn't going to say it. <laughs> so this, but, yeah, so was... her solicitor wrote a letter to him saying, right, this is, we're ending this. You're no longer leasing the farm. Um, you can go elsewhere. And it was, it was very shortly after that, if not within a week, that Bobby Ryan's, Bobby Ryan's remains were found in this uh, overflow tank, which is about the size of a medium-sized car. So, mm -hmm. I mean, it's not very big. It was built by, it was built by um, Mary Larry's father-in-law in the 70s, you know, and it was a pretty leaky thing. And, you uh, and it was never searched at the time because it was covered in, in, in wrapped so bell haze. How long had he yeah, he went missing. It was tw 22 months he from was. when he was last seen the morning of, of the 3rd of June. When so he went missing shortly after this letter th about the lease was uh, no, sent no, or his remains were his found. His remains were found. Okay. So it was basically like as, as we kind of learned so much about Pat Quirk, he was a control freak. He was a narcissist. You know, he, he, like he didn't like things to be out of, out of his control. So he wasn't prepared to go, you know, not be allowed in that land again, knowing that the remains of Bobby Ryan were there and could possibly be found at some point in the future. Mm -hmm. He didn't want that surprise. So he decided to go ahead and discover in inverted commas the body, but he did it. You know, he was trying to say that he was he was trying to he put a pipe uh, from a, for a pump into the tank to get some water in to to mix it in with the slurry to make it easier to spread. But he was you know he, he was in good clothes. He wasn't dirty. It was the wrong time of year for for spreading right. slurry. It was late, and he normally had a contractor do it. Mm -hmm. So I mean, th these are all the, the strands of the circumstantial strands, yeah. evidence, and mm -hmm. and that that's presumably is still going to stand. So even if they decide next week um, that they're going to have a retrial or they're going to quash the conviction because we don't know what's going to be decided. They have to make their legal arguments next week. So we'll know then. But presumably all these will stand. And, and don't forget that the Supreme Court in 2015, I think it was, um, made a ruling that uh, evidence that was obtained illegally 
can or you know once it's inadvertently and the guards are unaware yeah. it can still be used and we so, saw that yeah. that's saw definitely that going to be the greatest hope i'd say for and, the and we saw that even with the in the regency trial so i mean the the law is that even if it's obtained kind of illegally if it's so broadly in the public interest that there is an argument to be made that it can be admitted so you saw that in the regency trial where the there was recordings made outside the jurisdiction that was accepted by the state and by by the by the, the judges but what they're saying is that there there is a way to override that and that's been a, a source of argument for 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 these things so they 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 will go back then to make this judgment the options would be to order a retrial to to allow the conviction stand and sometimes um the supreme court and other courts like it was a jury decision and they are more reluctant to overturn decisions made by a jury because the juries have given their time and listened to the full case um, and that will be a consideration as well um, it's 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 you know it, a, a retrial would be uh, would be incredible really I mean after this amount of time it is still possible it is, though it, it certainly is possible and you know I mean amazingly going way back to the 1990s uh, I was just researching something recently the case of Eamon Kelly the late Eamon Kelly um, obviously, the 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 the, um, the godfather figure. of of the gangland figures who mentored them and all the rest of it. But he was actually the first guy to be convicted for cocaine trafficking in Ireland in the nineties. And during uh, his trial, was actually his his um, conviction was found to be unsafe because of this argument that blew up afterwards about some reporting that had been done between sentence and sorry between conviction and sentence. You know, that bit that we all have to talk to the lawyers about yeah. if it's before a jury, it's different. It's because of Eamon, Eamon Kelly. He actually brought it all the way to the Supreme Court. The case was retried. Yeah. Now, exactly the same verdict came in, but the case was retried because this bit was found to be um, unlawful, basically, the yeah, and, and obviously then if there is a retrial ordered, he will make the argument, of course, that, that he can't get a fair trial. I mean, that would be one of the things that he you would expect. He will try that as well. But I mean, again, is there precedent that somebody walks and, and never gets retried? There isn't. Um, not not on the first not in the first go around. Often th what the state will do is they'll go for a retrial and then a deal will be done. There might be an admission of manslaughter or something like that. I mean, mm. we saw that recently in, a, I think, a... It was, it was a, there was two murder trials of um, Nathan O'Neill in, in uh, Cork's Cork court. Um, it was a fellow who was stabbed in a nightclub, Jamie yeah. Higgins stabbed in a nightclub, mm. and, and that went to two murder trials, uh, was hung for whatever reasons. And uh, it, it came up for the third time he pleaded guilty to manslaughter. So that was done and dusted. Is that what happened now with Brian Rattigan as well in relation to, De 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 Declan Gavin? Well, there was, yeah. There, and he pled guilty to manslaughter, to manslaughter in, the, yeah. in the aftermath. Instead of a, a, a retrial for murder, yeah. Interesting. I mean, look, it's, I mean, this is just, like, like I mean, it was being called, um, our colleague Shane Phelan was calling it like kind of like jaw dropping when it when he won this aspect of it. But as you say, there was 50 other parts of the appeal that weren't sent on to the Supreme Court. Two bits were, and this bit has come back. Yeah, and, and the other one as well, which was about whether or not the state was wrong in not calling another pathologist that, that they'd interviewed who had a different view of how the injuries that were found on the skeletal remains, like whether it was, uh, mm. you know, whether it was a, a, a vehicle or whether it was, you know, he'd been attacked or hit with something. So there were, but the judges found in favor of the state on that one. They rejected that appeal. Mm -hmm. So there is a lot of other circumstantial evidence. I mean, there was recordings. I mean, that was one of the most amazing bits of, of the trial. Um, 
Like, how did these recordings come about that were ultimately played in, in court? Which recordings are you talking about now? The ones the, these were the, these were yeah, and there was a mobile phone that was left in you know in either Mary Lowry's bedroom or presumably his own bedroom, um, and then. You know, one of them was actually when Mary Larry had found another boyfriend, you know, a new boyfriend again after, you know, after Bobby Ryan's death. And it was, it was a temporary, you know, it was again, you know, someone she met, you know, dancing, I think, in the Glen Eagle Hotel in Killarney and they, they got on great. And of course, they, they were recorded in bed reading out a, a Dear Linda letter from the Sunday World well, having a laugh. Right. And your Dr. Angela. Oh, sorry, Dr. Angela. Yeah, yeah. It was Dr. Angela. Yeah. It was quite. Um, so, yeah. this, was this a, mobile phone, this recording device, they didn't realize it was there. It, it was basically a, a mobile phone, and you could hear them like it was played and in the Quirk court. Quirk had left it, and Quirk had left it recording in in the in room. The Presumably, he had left it in the room because uh, I mean, the sound file was found on the PC seized from him, which is now being deemed illegal. Yeah. Now, I mean, this is one that wa was actually allowed, and I think it was to show, trying to show a pattern of this obsession and this kind of this mad jealousy that drove him, you know, to kill Bobby Ryan, and th this was, you know, again one of the the, the, the thin strands of circumstantial evidence. One of the things and like, I mean, look, the Mr. Moonlight trial and, and the, the tragic victim, obviously, at the centre of it. But the, when the trial was on, this was one of these similar probably to the Hutch trial that the public just wanted it every day to know ex yeah. everything that happened. I mean, they were listening, they were reading, they were whatever. And from a kind of an imagery point of view, I think what stood out was that Imelda Quirk came day after day with her husband by his side. They'd get the train up often from Tipperary at the weekends during the trial. They were seen out eating Chinese meals together. She was by his side. Do we know, is she still there? Well, I mean, I think she did continue to stick by him anyway in the aftermath. Um, yeah, she was down to visit him in Mount Joy like shortly after the, the verdict was given, which in a way there was a, a kind of a little bit of a surprise because on the day the verdict came back, um, like he was actually the last person to find out because, you know, we got the text there, you know, from someone in the court saying, oh, the jury are coming back quick. Everyone go in. And there was a sudden rush back to court 13 on the on the top floor of the mezzanine, um, which was where I was standing. But I was looking down in the smoking area where Pat Quirk was standing out there with his wife and her sister. And uh, and then the whole place gone quiet. Everyone gone back into court 13. I think one young barrister went sprinting down along the balcony to get in on time. I was kind of thinking, there's no rush. I mean, the star of the show is still outside. Yeah, yeah. And next minute he reaches inside his jacket, pulls out his mobile phone, looks at it, shows it to Imelda. So that was presumably yeah. the, jury are yeah, back. the jury are back. And anyway, they came back up and went right. in. So... And, and it's a real weird thing in Ireland. You know, people are, are, are used to kind of the American TV shows. How do you find them, Mr. You know, Chairman? Mm -hmm. And they go, guilty, Your Honor. And it's a big hey, and high fives and all the rest of it. But in Ireland, they kind of read out, have you filled out the form? Yes. Have you ticked a box? Yes. And, you know, have you ticked the box saying uh, guilty? Yes, I have. And it's all done in very low key. And there was an, it took, a, it took a, a couple of seconds, like a long, like what felt like a long time for the penny to drop. Now, I heard it because I knew what to expect. Mm -hmm. But I could see mm -hmm. by the reaction of family yeah. members, they didn't I, actually I, know I, what they happened. They weren't quite sure and, and, whether it yeah, was, yeah. yeah. And, and then the judge says, right, we'll come back later for the victim impact. And then everyone, oh, he's been found guilty. So yeah. it was a very strange thing. It was. I've and, seen and that she didn't, as well. And the point I was making then was that Imelda didn't come back for the statement, uh, the, the victim impact statement made by Shelley Ryan, that, you know, late, later on. Uh, when he was sentenced to life. So she, she had gone at that stage. She wasn't going to be there. And of course, he came back in. He'd been free all this time. Uh, now he was in custody. His tie was gone. You know, he yeah. was no longer the man in control. It was, yeah. the, it was yeah. the prison officers with him were. Yeah, I mean, it was an unusual case, I think, because, you know, it, because of 
all the stuff that came out and it really gave a sense of these things are going on in rural Ireland. Like that was the whole, the whole thing. All and that sex. I was just totally, I mean, I don't think I was alone with that no. being completely don't, and, blown away. And don't I don't for, know why you don't think And don't forget the money. I mean, you know, the there, there was weekends yeah. away to People lovely hotels. I mean, yeah. there was, there was 40,000 euros yeah. being invest, invested in CDC contract for difference. Would you be looking at like, it going, I'm not living. I no, mean, this is no. just unreal. However, the other side of it was, of course, Bobby Ryan's family who have been really, really dignified and, and like I think there was a kind of a, a disconnect then because you did see all these headlines it was just so un yeah. unlikely and then when you do hear um, Michelle Ryan in particular has been the most prominent spokesperson for the Ryan family. She's like, done a great job actually I think yeah. to give us an insight into what her father was like yeah. and he did seem like such a lovely yeah. kind great, great fun, soft yeah. man like yeah. you know and, and I think they've like you know although the, the you know the bizarre bits of the trial made the headlines. I think she really brought the humanity of the loss of, of her father I, there. And I, it was really, really terrible. For I, I, she was she was campaigning from the day he, he went missing. Mm. Like she was searching Bancha Woods, like, you know, in, in as she said, I think herself, like she was just in a terrible state of mind and she was she was days going through the woods on her own, which I've been to and they're not it wouldn't be easy mm -hmm. like to, to once you go off the path to, to look around for stuff. And, and the discovery of where his body was discovered, I mean, he was thrown away like a piece of rubbish. And, it, an and it tortures the family because they don't know, was he still alive yeah. when he was put into that tank? And, and it must that's be, so traumatic and, for and them. And it must be traumatic again, this this Yeah, this the decision. idea, you know, you're hearing this and you must, it must be like, oh my God, is this guy going to just get out? Is he going to walk? Is he going to get away with it? But no, he's still convicted of murder. Yeah. And we wait to see what the court does with this, whether this one piece of evidence is enough I mean, the very most they're going to do from for his from his point of view is retrial. Yep. So he'll have another go at defending himself left, yep. right and centre. But just going back to his wife for a minute. Yes. Do you not find that really curious, like that these women stand by their men and men stand by their women in yeah. circumstances that Quirk has been, you know, his whole life has been laid bare in this court. And you're right, Eamon, he was. He was portrayed and he was obviously a very narcissistic, peculiar, controlling character who was sneaking around behind her back, having an affair with her sister-in-law, you know, videoing her, going in and out of the house, all that he did. It's just it's just really unpleasant. And like that she stuck by him. Very publicly as well. Like she didn't, and so publicly. Yeah. And, you know, we talk about rural Ireland and these rural areas, are they actually having sex in them? But like, I mean, the idea <laughs> that you have to walk around... <laughs> A small village still <laughs> holding hands with this guy who the nation is looking at and hearing all the details of his sort of sordid life. Yeah. Like, I just find that extraordinary. I would personally bury my head <laughs> in the sand or stick it in a press in the kitchen and not come back out. I would just be so, I would be just so mortified. Well, Quirk never was, obviously he was never called to give evidence on his own behalf, but the, we did hear during the court um, interviews he gave to the guards. He was arrested twice. He was actually arrested three times, the, f the third time finally when he was charged. But he was arrested twice in relation to it. And he, he pretty much, it was a self-serving statement because he, he didn't sit there and, and say nothing, no comment, whatever. He, he did, more, and, and more or less what he was trying to say was, here I am trying to do my best to help this poor woman, working mm -hmm. hard, you know, breaking my back, trying to help her out. And, you know, I couldn't resist her. Like, you know, she was the one who, who seduced me. And that was his argument. So presumably that's, 
you know, that's what Imelda was hearing behind their closed well, doors, or, yeah. a, ver- you know, or a stronger you, version of it. Well, you're asking me and Eamon to explain the yeah. psychology of women. It's, it's certainly not my expert <laughs> area. I would be happy to say I don't know if Eamon is willing to... Uh, well, I mean, I might be able to help about Kulchi's having sex, but I mean, that might be a different <laughs> podcast. But definitely the the in, the internal workings that's of the female mind is I, I mean, that's even worse. I never called anyone a Kulchi. <laughs> Well, he's a culture. He's, he's allowed to say it. He's allowed to say it, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Total muck like you're allowed, you're allowed to slag <laughs> outside. Well, technically, I'm a townie, yeah. but we won't go into that. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Okay. So, so now. Maybe a next, next, we'll do another podcast. Yes, we'll explain that. in female psychology by <laughs> Eamon Dillon and Dr. Niall Donald. In another part of the forest, um, somebody else slightly confused, Marcus Sweeney has been um, doing podcast interviews and claiming that he was the one who brought the Criminal Assets Bureau to court. Now, that's not right, and maybe he has a lack of understanding of what's going on here. But the case against him, his company, uh, EWM Property Holdings, and, of course, the field at the centre of it uh, was back in the High Court this week as well, which it ended. Yeah, well, this is the wrap-up, or or the beginning of the long wrap-up of the case, because... the judgment was made last January. Um, Judge Alex Owens, like quite um, famously, I guess now said that he was up to his oxters in 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 organised crime. He described it as a compelling case. There was no equivocation on the part of the judge um, when it came to saying that the that the Criminal Assets Bureau had proved their case, um, and it was against it was against this wealth management company um, EWM, uh, and. It was down to the, I mean, the only asset that was left that they could seize was this field that was bought for, I think, 112,500 12, euro. Mm. Mm. Um, it's, you know, not too far from um, Ashburn or Dunboyne, that neck of the woods. Um, but they did say, you know, 700,000 went through it. You know, half of that came from, uh, you know, another company, which essentially they were from unknown sources. Yeah, something like 30,000 came from uh, friends of his who gave him money to, to invest. And this is all in affidavits that were filed in the high court. Um, and the case wasn't defended. Like, I mean, there, there was nobody there representing the company in court. Certainly Marcus Sweeney didn't be turn up either. they wouldn't they? I mean, be, uh, absolutely, yeah. Totally. And, 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 and you're nothing, entitled to ask for free legal aid mm, if you need it. I mean, we've seen so many of those cases yeah and and the, the yeah and, and that's true and you know because i mean it is a, it's, it is a civil case i know it's called a criminal uh, proceeds of crime act but they are actually civil cases um and they, you do have to make a specific application for for um for for legal aid and it's not even then it's not even blanket you might get you might get legal aid for a forensic accountant or something to prove that your bank account wasn't doing this when the cab was saying it was and stuff like that so i mean we, we didn't really hear any of the if there was any counter arguments you know put forward by the company of which marcus sweeney was the director and founder um if there was any kind of counter affidavits we didn't hear them they weren't put before the court mm-hmm. like we you know they, they weren't you know they, they may have been opened behind closed doors you know but they weren't opened in open court so we don't know if there was now we do know um in in, in the in the sitting this week it was basically there was a consent agreement uh, the judge referred to that um and that basically said it's going to be handed over by a date in april 11 o'clock i think the 4th of april um, and, and it's called like, uh, you know, it's, it's notice to vacate. Now, it's just the terminology vacate. It doesn't mean there's necessarily anyone living in the field or there's any animals or property or whatever. Um, and, so, and so after that, then it'll it'll move on to the next level, whatever that is, section three 
so that it now, I mean, initially it's now frozen. So nobody can, whoever owns the field, like the, the company that owns the field, they can't sell it on, they can't rent it out, they can't do anything with it. So the next step now, it, it'll be eventually to transfer it to the exchequer and that'll be sold off then. Yeah, and, and, that, that, and that takes that takes a number of years. Time. The legislation, I think is, what is it, four years now? It used to be seven years. Yeah. And like, while while the, the bonus of, onus rather, of proof is on the defendant in the Criminal Assets Bureau cases, unlike in a criminal case when the onus of proof is on the state, you can actually, um, you have a seven-year window, I think, in order to provide uh, proof of how you afforded to buy that or how your company afforded to buy that. Our proof against, say, the Criminal Assets Bureau have discovered in this case that um, some of the money that went through this EWM property holdings company and possibly into this actual field came from significant um, known criminals with significant convictions um, and members of a group that we call the family uh, in particular had had dealings with with Marcus Sweeney and he had been seen and arrested in the company of two significant heroin traffickers uh, from Turkey. But the thing is about all this, right? Like, Alex, just as Alexander owns, the Criminal Assets Bureau cases are kind of like funny. And he's quite a nice judge because right. I've seen people coming in at the back of the courtroom and they really don't know what they're doing. It's probably their first time that they're having any tangle with the Criminal Assets Bureau. They they meet them. Usually what happens is the Criminal Assets Bureau will, will target an individual that they believe to be involved in organized crime or not paying revenue. They will carry out searches and they take away whatever they will find during those search. Normally, isn't it? Computers, yeah. lots of things. Sometimes they seize actual assets, jewellery in particular yeah. these days. And then they bring it all back to the office where they sort of forensically go through this and they follow the trail of money yeah. or otherwise. Um, and during the course of this, they will meet sometimes with the officers, will meet with the individual and they will have discussions because it's civil proceedings. Again, settlement is probably of benefit to everybody, yeah. to the court's time, to whatever. And um, so no doubt the officers in the Criminal Assets Bureau did meet Marcus Sweeney during yeah. this course. But that's not part of the legal case. No, that's a kind of a meeting as you're. You're part putting the, together yeah, your the, case. Part of the investigation. The I mean, case like, is when it comes before the courts and that's where you have to have your, your your legal or otherwise. But I have honestly seen people coming in and just as Alexander Owens will sort of ask them, sorry, who are you? And they'll say, and he might say to them, oh, you're a defendant in this case. Well, let me explain to you what's happening here. So it's actually quite a friendly court. I'm sure you've probably seen that yourself. I mean, I mean a lot of the time they do have legal representation, but sometimes he'll say gently to them, I'm going to adjourn this. But I want you to go and, you know, I want you to file your returning affidavit by such and such a time. And if you need to go and get legal representation, now is the time to do it. So it, it's not like, I mean, there's other courts you'd go in, you're afraid to rustle your handbag because you could be turned on. Yeah, look, I, I mean, it's not a criminal court. Um, and I think sometimes the people that you mentioned that might kind of rock up themselves not having, you know, gone to a solicitor or a solicitor saying, look, that's I'm, that's out of my league. I'm not getting involved. They're, they're probably more used to turning up to a district court where, you know, yeah. it's it's quite acceptable to, you know, to rock up without a solicitor and tell the judge, look, I, I you know, I didn't hit her. 
you know, and it's, you know, and, and, and work from there and then say, well, look, I'm sorry, this is a very serious charge and I might go to the circuit court. You really should get, you should get, you know, legal representation. Exactly, yeah. Whereas, as you say, like Judge Jones will say, look, you really do need to, to go and, and speak to a solicitor. Like, you know, do you have a solicitor in what town? And says, mm -hmm. well, look, oh, yes, I've heard of him. He's a very good man. You should, you know, and he will say, you really do need to get re representation because in some cases it's a family home. Mm -hmm. I mean, normally they're, they're what they're, they're, they're people get a chance to show is how they manage to get this money together to buy an asset. I mean, isn't that's that's the, the basic of a lot of the cab cases. So people will say, I inherited yeah. 100,000 yes, and then yeah. I bought this. So that, and, that's and, a lot and, of it. And we saw that this week as well, like uh, the, the case against Ross Browning came up again. And one of the, one of the properties, Chestnut Lodge, that was part of the, the Garristown compound where mm. he built his, his home. And this one that where his mother and her husband were, were living in and the husband who wasn't part of the case, um, uh, he, he had borrowed 40,000 euro from the Garda Credit Union that was used in the refurb. And the judge acknowledged that in his judgment. And like, it was one of the small wins that they had in the yeah. case. And that, you know, when the house is sold, when the property is yeah, sold, yeah. And, that's a, in, and he was very specific, it was the curtilage of the house. You know, it wasn't the back garden included, nothing like that. That 25% of the, of the sale will go back to them. And he did the same then with uh, the house in, uh, belonging to, that he said, you know, that was ruled, uh, controlled by Ross Browning in, in Deanstown in Finglas that was in the name of Ian O'Hare, his cousin. And he said the same. He says, I've no idea if, if uh, Ross Browning ever saw that Ian O'Hare. So if the house is sold, the money goes to him. Yeah, they hadn't proved that element of it, I suppose. And also what you have is people will come in and they will say they can't afford yeah. lawyers. So I've even seen people I do have with serious criminal convictions who are given free legal aid to yes. defend themselves because and that's the that's de democratic and people have defended themselves very famously in cab cases. I mean, sometimes well and sometimes not, but they have mounted a defense mm -hmm. because if you look at that piece of land at 112 or whatever was thousand was the purchase price. I mean, it's a huge amount of money for normal people. Um, so it wasn't defended. And you're, you're, you're also very much told when your court case is up and on the public lists, which yeah. can be accessed on your phone even yeah. or anywhere well i mean you, you've your had, listing yeah, is I there i mean cab officers have to give evidence that they've actually served the people yeah. like you know at, at the center of the case like they have to prove that they've made you know efforts to contact them mm -hmm. and it's you and we saw that last year with um the mcguire brothers i mean the huge lengths the guards went to like he just wouldn't come out of, yeah. of his house and they knocked they went back four times they were threatened you know by mm -hmm. somebody walking out of another house and they eventually then were they went back to the judge said we've tried this we, we we strongly believe he's in there a woman who answered the door wouldn't say who she was you know we subsequently you know a local guard was able to tell her it was this person or that person and the judge says look okay you can leave you can leave the documents in a box on his doorstep and i'll deem that has served exactly and, i mean obviously marcus sweeney uh feels hard done by we can see that in social media and feels um that that things haven't been, you know, accurate or fair on them. But I suppose even beyond what we do or say as journalists, there is the judgment of the court and that's that's there to be read um, across, you know, across the many court reporters who were there and reported on it. And I do think that, I mean, to say it's not accurate or fair is one thing, but prove that to, to come back and say that you know, it's completely inaccurate because I actually took the case against the Criminal Assets Bureau, which is the narrative he has clearly put out there through interviews, through yeah. interviews that have gone up on social media unchallenged. That is simply not true. No. Marcus Sweeney did not take a case against the Criminal Assets Bureau. The Criminal Assets Bureau took a case against Marcus Sweeney. A judge said in open court that he was up to his oxers 
in organized crime. And he has lost this and has agreed to hand over this portion of land to the state on the basis that it was identified as the proceeds of crime. They are the facts. Yeah. And they're, they're, look, they're there to be read in, in wherever you want to read them. The you Irish. That in. Yeah, I think that pretty much sums <laughs> it up. I mean, look, all of this is based on affidavits that, you know, were opened in court and the judge accepted them. He said it was a compelling case. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, you can't get any, you know, less unequivocal from a high court judge than that. I mean, there was, there was no question that, like, uh, there was no question of any wriggle room there. Yeah. I mean, it was found well and, well and truly the proceeds sure, of crime I'm and sure, that is it. Yeah, I'm sure it's hard to be in the papers and, and, you know, go through that. But it is what it is. Now, just one last item we were going to just talk about this week was cocaine. Yeah. And the report that uh, Irish people are the joint, what, for, joint Ford. third? Somebody, joint I saw somebody on, the, on, our, on our Facebook page said, oh, we're in the Champions League positions because the top four in the Premier League go into the Champions League. And so Ireland the are there. A bit the more of an four. effort. We might make number one next <laughs> year. And this is in the world. And randomly, I think, I think the, either Australia or the Netherlands are number one or two, thereabouts. Yeah. Spain and ourselves yeah. kind of seem to be slightly random countries. But um, I was talking to an addiction expert this week. A podcast will go up on it over the coming weeks. I thought it was quite interesting. Um, and he was pointing out that, yeah, you know, we actually have this sort of bigger problem that, you know, we do have quite an interesting relationship with alcohol here. And also, you know, which is. We do, like, yeah. you know, we do. We, we do, we, we, And we like yeah. the crack. Yeah. We love a little bit of crack and we love a bit of fun and we love to be seen as party people. Not that people. type of, well, it proves well, the well, crack. We do like, crack we, we do like the other crack now as well, unfortunately. Yes, that's <laughs> the other thing. We've come to like the other but stuff But I mean, there, well, is, there, there is generations of addiction problems in Ireland, I suppose, is there yeah. the reality, like, for... But is, I guess, rich. is he talking about the use the way... And, and you see it, like, uh, uh, Americans would maybe comment on this, that... Um, that some of them, they'll go out for a night and they'll take cocaine, you know, recreationally, um, you know, i.e. that they're not using it every day to get out of bed and go to work. Um, but, you know, Friday, Saturday night, so they can chat up a, a woman or a man, they, they can feel more confident. But they're not, they're not drinkers. They don't really drink much. So yeah. this, is, this is how they do it. Whereas Irish guys will go out, get hammered, and then by midnight are starting to fade a bit, which is when the coke comes in to, to, to perk them up and keep them drinking. Which a substance in the body, of course. And puts you at risk of heart attack. And yeah. the problem is now that you have guys in their 50s and 60s mm-hmm. who are doing this, you know, to keep up with the, the 22-year-old minor hurlers that they're, they're coaching or whatever, because it's across the board. It's incredible. I, I know people in, in rural Ireland who run pubs which, who've had to hire female bouncers because all the coke was being used in, in the ladies' toilets. They couldn't, mm. they couldn't see, you know, they were able to police the men's toilets, but suddenly they realized the problem had switched. They, and as many women were using it as men, and it's across the board. It's from people from 18 but, to but 65. It is interesting, like, why, why mm. do Irish people veer towards... Cocaine. Well, or addiction in general, I think. And, yeah. You know... I remember. And I don't I'm know not what the, the statistics are on re- relation to addiction. I suppose if you end up in the addiction services, you're, you know. The problem, of course, in Ireland is the addiction services. Probably a are, tiny percent of users actually end up in addiction services. And, and it's very, there's very few addiction services in Ireland. Yeah. I mean, again, like this is a huge part of the problem. Like it's all very mm-hmm. well to say cocaine is bad. Let's make it illegal and, and all that. But like, how do you access help? in this country mm. if you if you develop a problem like if you have if you have private medical insurance that's one thing but mm. the state don't really provide beds for treating people with addiction it's left up to charity bodies there's people coming off drugs going into literally going into houses with almost no treatment and you know 
no medical intervention. So, it, like, while we've been kind of relatively lighthearted, I suppose, talking about the recreational use among yeah. you know the working, you know, the working people or middle mm. classes, whatever you want to put it, people who have a few bob to go out drinking and partying at the weekends. Like, there, there is also an epidemic of crack cocaine in this country, and that it disproportionately affects you know the more socially deprived. You know, people are worse off, and and in a way, it's not news. Like, as I remember in 2021, there was a dull committee hearing, and they had I think four different addiction counselors or people involved and addiction services all just from Tala like not from mm. all over Ireland but yeah. just from Tala and they were talking to us at that time those 100,000 young people they felt were at risk of you know being introduced to cocaine and crack cocaine and they said there was different figures they were talking about you know one person looking after one area of West Tala suggested that there was something like 30 something houses that were essentially being used as sex dens where young women who were addicted to crack cocaine were going there to get crack cocaine performing sexual acts and they came up with the figure there was something like a hundred of, the, of these sex dens you know where, where you know and, and it was all driven by crack cocaine addiction and crack cocaine use and if you tally those figures with the fact that there is no you know there's no beds for them there's, to come into recovery not, yeah, it's just not easily accessible yeah. I mean that is just the reality now and all like, those other things that are going on in that world and with that world and the, you know yeah the fear that's used, the threats that's used against them, the kind of the criminals that are circling that vulnerability. Yeah, I imagine you can build up a, a debt, you know, from cocaine use pretty quick. That and puts how do you, you pay know, it depot. off if you yeah, exactly, yeah. So, I mean, a lot of it is coming from people's yeah. families, of course, or the other way that people can pay it off is continue to sell drugs. And that's that's the, the, the cycle that people get stuck into. Yeah. I or mean, or find yourself driving a van with, you know, two yeah. million quid's worth of cocaine in it. Like. And of course, like to, to, to um, bring the conversation slightly more highbrow just for a second, but with all the banking stuff that's going on and the sort of the fears a little bit around the economy and, you know, what happens if there is another crash and you have all these people who have been using cocaine? You talked about uh, the recreational, but I think the problem happens in the same way as the problem happens with people sitting at home having a drink or going out and having a drink. It starts off at the weekend and then the weekend becomes Tuesday through to, you know, to Monday or whatever. But... Um, what happens to people who are taking cocaine because crack is so much cheaper and if you yeah. can't afford the real stuff anymore yeah. if you like to call it that you know it's like a tenth of the price I mean you have to look crack. at young people coming before the courts with, with you know and think is there a way is there some route that they're being offered out of it by the state you know that has to be a feature of it mm. you know where people come before the courts 16, 17, 18 years old and that there there should be something there to try and to try and direct them in a different direction. And I don't think that really exists now. No, it doesn't. Um, but look, anyway, I'll go into that in detail with this gentleman. It's an interesting chat we had and we'll put it up in the next couple of weeks. Um, I suppose to finish, Eamon, you've opened my eyes completely about rural Ireland. Is she going to have to <laughs> think she should make an <laughs> apology? I remember. I, I mean, remember, people I, talk I, about I, Dublin and being the hotbed of... It I, is no more compared to... No. Cocaine I, in the toilets. Yeah. She's sex yeah. with the neighbours. The I know. Remember, yeah, we'll bring you on the tour next time. I do <laughs> remember when I just started in the Sunday World, there was a certain uh, investigative editor who won't remain nameless. I yeah. called a, a, a local village a one-horse town. Oh, God, Jesus. Yeah, that was me. I ended up on... Joe so, Duffy. Yeah. <laughs> I have to say sorry to the there's to a two horse sorry. town. I have to say sorry to <laughs> the three residents of the <laughs> one horse town. <laughs> no, I learned a big lesson that time, you know. I just learned a big Did lesson. <laughs> well, well, if you remember, we had our, our news editor from Longford many years, John Donlan. And yeah. if you made the mistake of writing a village, 
he changed it to town. Okay. <laughs> and it was nearly, it, you know, <laughs> so if you wrote the village of, I don't know, Ross Grey or yeah, something, yeah, it was yeah. immediately a town, obviously. The town, but then yeah. there were actual villages that would be yeah. upgraded to town just in case. You see, we <laughs> need to, a mix of cultures and all the rest of it amongst yeah, us you to may keep need, us all you in may check. Need like, in, like everything in life, you need balance. You, you need, need balance. You exactly. may need rural sensitivity training, Nicola. That's yeah. stuff would be. Yeah. As long as everything else. Yeah. <gasps> Get you down to pet a few sheep. <laughs> I'd actually wouldn't mind a goat, like as a pet. I've been watching <laughs> some of these people that have them on TikTok and they seem really nice. It's slightly irritating in the morning when you get up, but as our dogs. But do, do you just, have a garden? I do, yeah. And well, you won't if you have a goat. Oh, would I not? No. Well, I don't really. They'll eat care. everything. It'd be oh. like someone went through it with a scissors. Oh, really? So if you have a big, a big brambly ditch, you need a clearance. So you tie a goat, a goat. and clear it out. Yeah. But they seem really cute everything. and they come over yeah. and get, take a little pet yeah. and everything. They're like a little sort of a Yeah, they're like teenagers. It's <laughs> 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 really annoying. And I'm going to think about it. Right. Okay. See you next week. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, leave us a review. Or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.